0: And that's bad enough for the live audience. And so we don't want to do that to the people who are watching the recording. They're like, hey, you could have edited this out or just not hit record. And I'll be like, yeah, I understand, you know. So, you know, and eventually we get the show started. It's kind of the idea. Sometimes it takes a little while, but we do get it started. And it's worth it. It is worth it. Evening. And so uh I had to take a couple of days off. I skipped the uncensored production and one episode of Surreal Politics. I miss you guys. It's good to be back. And uh the uh the impetus for that, of course, if you've uh, been l- getting the emails, which you should definitely do, uh if you're not on the mailing list that um well, I'm not gonna tell you to go to ChristopherCantwell.net. We're working on that mailing list, getting it over to something else, and I'll tell you about that in a minute. But if you are if you are not subscribed to the Surreal Politics mailing list, at realpoliticscom slash newsletter. Uh, you should do that, and uh, you should check your spam trap and make sure that the criminals who censor the Internet are not preventing me from emailing you, because then I'll, I'll keep you informed of what's going on here. Um, and so if you are on the email list, then you understand. So we had a little bit of downtime last week, not with this website, but my other websites were down for over 24 hours. And that was sort of an unavoidable circumstance. It was not just me that was affected. It was basically something happened at the at the upstream provider that they like disconnected an entire range of ip addresses and i was like what are you crazy like that's crazy um but we had been meaning to move those websites away from where they were hosted for some period of time and part of the the idea behind that was this thing you've heard me talk about this idea of the content network and so the content network i had um i had pass this around the branding of it i had i had passed around as realpolitik right which is i was thinking of doing as a separate llc from surreal politics but what we ended up doing you are on the main site of the content network now for those of you who are um on surrealpolitics.com uh the architecture is something called wordpress multi-site wordpress runs christophercantwell.net radicalagenda.com surrealpolitics.com and, and almost all of my websites um WordPress has something called a multi-site function, where you can actually have um, basically a common user database is the operative feature here, and you can have access control from the main site control all of the other all of the other sites, and that is what we aim to do here, and so. Um, I've talked about this before, that basically you know, some of the other things that I do, they can't get payment processing. Surreal politics can. And what we're going to do is we're going to basically have Surreal Politics is going to outsource its user authentication access control, which it's allowed to do. Um, and that will give you uh, basically your your paywall access here will give you access to other sites. That we allowed to use our access control. And so you go to that other site, you enter in the same username and password that you enter here, and then you'll have an elevated level of access on that website for the duration of your membership here. Which will give you, it's, it, in, functionally, what this does is it gives you paywall access to Radical Agenda and net, which is something that we've been trying to do for a long time. This was the whole entire point of starting out law conservative. It, you know, it wasn't something that. We were ready to pull the trigger on but i mean that that was really the idea behind it and now we're able to do that as a matter of fact if you want before i'm even done with it you can look at it if you go to cc.surrealpolitics.com you will see basically the same posts that are on christophercantwell.net are on cc.surrealpolitics.com and um if you go all the way back then you will, because um, I, I don't I don't have the menus set up yet, so you don't see a link to a member section there yet. But if you go to, like, the last page of posts, what you're going to see is a bunch of old stuff from me in, like, 2013. Um, uh, if you are logged in to your SurrealPolities.com account, if you're not there, then you won't be able to see the material. Um, but what will eventually happen, um, we're working on this right now, essentially, is that um, the... Uh, we're going to move the domain name over. So that website that you see at cc.surrealpolitics.com, um, that will be ChristopherCantwell.net. And you'll basically, the the user database from ChristopherCantwell.net is basically just going to be archived. I mean, I still have, I still have, you know, e-commerce orders there from, you know, 2015. I'm not, there's no reason to bring any of that over. It's going to use the user database from um, surrealpolitics.com. And that way um, we'll have, Basically, uncensored paywalls. Okay. Now, the really cool thing about this, and we're not, I'm not quite ready to launch this in a fashion that we're bringing on other people just yet. But once I'm a little bit more comfortable with what I'm doing with my own content, then, you know, the idea here is that we can bring on other content producers. And I'm already talking to other people about that. And I think that that's a huge thing. It's a, that's kind of a big deal if we can make it work because, well, there's a lot of reasons for that. But I mean, you know, primarily among them. I mean, the, the, the format of the thing is that, so, you know, if you're, if you're another content producer, like I can't run payments for you, okay? That's actually, you, you run afoul of the payment processor's policies. Um, and I talked to a different company about this because um, I was originally going to get another LLC and another company to do the payment processing for the content network. And I talked to them about it. And I'm like, look, here's exactly what I want to do. You know, here's the here's exactly the business model. I don't want to be accused of like subverting your policies or whatever. Here's what I'm trying to do, and they were like, "Yeah, that's fine. Your business model is completely fine." And then basically they came back afterwards and they're like, "Okay, your business model is fine, but you know, I I hammered home this thing that you know it was like basically like oh well you know some of the sites that are doing this are going to have content that some people are going to say is anti-Semitic, and the People who I spoke to in this conference call, they were like, yeah, that's not a problem. And then they basically ran it by their bosses. And they were like, well, your business model's fine, but we don't feel comfortable personally with the anti-Semitism. And so we're going to decline to take you on. And I'm like, OK, well, the whole entire point of the the project here is that you don't have to deal with that. Right. This is on another website. The whole entire purpose of the enterprise here is that you are spared the reputational harm of being associated with this thing, as am I. Right. But the, you know, in order for the other payment, uh, the other content producers to get paid, the way that it works is instead of selling, basically, instead of running payments for another content producer, what we do is we run an advertisement, okay? They're basically paid an advertising fee is kind of the idea of the project. And so we'll see how durable this is. Hopefully it doesn't, you know, create too much of a a problem. There's a potential for that, of course. Um, But this has been, uh, you know, a project that's been in the works for a long time. And you can see it right now, uh, the beginnings of it, at cc.cerealpolitics.com. And so that is something that I am very, very, very excited about, and it's occupied the majority of my attentions. Um, if uh, anybody wants to chime in, I'll be glad to hear from you. There's a couple of things. I've got a bunch of news stories pulled up. Some of them are kind of interesting. I also have, um, I see some, some people had posted some titles in the chat there, um, I could read some of the old stuff here if uh if things get quiet, but uh, anybody care to chime in? I haven't spoken to you guys in a while. Nobody all right let's see here So um let's go let's go get a sampling of some of this old stuff here. And so this is actually – this was posted – this was actually a Facebook note. This wasn't even – the website had not yet been launched yet. This is one of the first public things I ever wrote. Um, I mean, I wrote a lot of stuff on Facebook, but this, was, this is the oldest post on my blog. It's dated May 12, 2012. And the title of this is Stacey Litz, the Liberty Snitch. And, and she basically – this girl – Um, got herself uh, jammed up. She was a left libertarian who decided it'd be a great idea to sell drugs, right? And uh, because she's a leftist, she's incapable of taking responsibility for herself. So of course, when she got caught, she ratted everybody out. And uh, and then she wrote a blog titled Drug War Victim. And she said, uh, oh, it's all because of the government that I had to rat my friends out. And so I didn't think that that was a very reputable thing for this young lady to do. And I wrote a little blog about it, and this is how it went. Meet Stacy Litz. Stacy was a member of the Students for Liberty, the Drexel Student Liberty Front Center for a Stateless Society and presumably numerous other activist outlets. She's been to Porkfest. Lots of people know and used to trust her as well as a liked member of the and she was also a liked member of the Liberty community. I should say ahead of time, I don't know Stacy personally. The, the following is my opinion of the multiple accounts I've read uh, on her from a number of sources, which are linked in the blog. Apparently, the basic story goes like this, and I'm going to make this very brief because the details are published elsewhere, and I wish to address principles, not rehash a single drug sting. While attending Drexel University, Stacy and her friends buy a whole bunch of MDMA off of Silk Road to use and sell. Stacy sees a great deal of money... Uh, uh Stacy sees a great money making opportunity and goes into business selling numerous different drugs. One of Stacy's customers gets busted. He rats out Stacy, introducing her to an undercover cop who proceeds to make 13 buys off of her before busting her for 13 felony drug sale charges. S- thus far, as anybody who has been involved in drugs can tell you, this is pretty typical day in the world of drug dealers, as terrible as it is, it happens all the time. Any liberty activist can tell you that this is wrong. The state is victimizing innocent people and caging them and depriving them of property. It is a horrible consequence of an out-of-control government abusing its citizenry. It is a perfect example of why statism is dangerous, immoral, and must end once and for all. Now, most of you probably know this at this point, but I'll reiterate because. <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm reading to you a piece from 2012 that cites decidedly different political ideas than you're used to hearing. The reason that I'm speaking so differently in, in 2012 than I am today is because my political views have changed dramatically. And, uh, and so this was me speaking as like this anarchist libertarian, uh, uh, I guess, 11 years ago, a little over 11 years ago. What happens next is also all too common. Having 13 felony charges hanging over one's head can weigh on a person in a way few of us can really comprehend. The police know this and use it to their advantage. Out comes the sunnier side of Stacy's aggressors as they offer her exactly what she's been hoping for, a way out. That way out being to put others in her place by working as an informant. What is one to do? You face decades in prison. You're a young, attractive, ambitious, politically active woman who had a bright future ahead of you just a few hours ago. And these armed men tell you that you have moments to decide if you will throw it all away or let others take your place. You weigh your life against that of others. You imagine growing old in a cage, being assaulted, raped perhaps, everything you've ever worked for, being destroyed, forgetting about the person you used to be, getting out of prison and being unfamiliar with the world around you, new technology, unable to cope with how much things have changed since you went away so many years ago. Your friends and family forget about you, unable to get a job because you're a convicted felon. Poverty, loneliness, depression, desolation, and it will last for the rest of your life. A difficult predicament indeed, and according to the people who kidnapped you, all you have to do to get out of it is bring this misery to others. Think about it. Your narcissism is kicking in. You start thinking about how you are more valuable than those other people. How if you just do this one thing, you can learn your lesson and make a difference for the future. You think if it were them in this position, they would do it to me, right? And chances are you're absolutely right about that part. Almost anybody would. We know that because that's exactly how Stacy was caught. It happens all the time. If not for drug informants, the drug war would end inside of a year. Somebody gets caught, flips on somebody else, and so the cycle continues in perpetuity. I know these thoughts because I have processed them ahead of time. I have no respect for the state. I think they are vicious and immoral individuals acting out absurd fantasies that hurt all of us. I have decided that they are the enemy of free humanity, that this makes them my enemies, and I have dedicated my life to seeing them fall. I have made this decision knowing that it may well get me caged again or even murdered. And before I made this decision, I had to process that information. I will serve no cause by ratting out my friends. I have to decide each time I defy the state not what the odds of my getting caught are, but if I have the will to withstand their aggressions, should I be caught? And so I don't break their policies unless I have decided ahead of time that I have the will to withstand their response. Before you read on, make your choice. Really think about this. Do you keep your mouth shut and take your chances, or do you turn on your people? Chances are you've decided to turn on your people. Self-preservation instincts are a powerful thing in a lot of ways. I understand where you're coming from. Nobody wants to go to prison. But chances are you know the answer to this problem is to stay out of the drug trade and avoid its dangers. If you are in the drug trade and your decision was to turn on your people, today should probably be your last day in that business. Because what happened to Stacy next should be a lesson to all of us. So Stacy, understandably shook from her encounter with armed men in costumes, decided to take the deal. She gave names. She made buys. Her friend's home was raided by armed men with machine guns. And to date, at least three people have been arrested on felony charges stemming from her work with the state. She confesses to trying to give up others unsuccessfully. Her victims face years in prison, lifetime disarmament, and other consequences that may well follow them to their graves, not to mention the property stolen and damaged in the raid. Then there is the fact that we may still not know the full extent of this problem yet. How many other investigations are presently ongoing? How many busts are yet to come down the road? How many of the people busted as a result of her actions will flip and rat out more people? There is no argument to be made that Stacy was in any way justified for her actions. Being a libertarian means being responsible for one's own behavior. You have to think about these things ahead of time and cannot pawn off the consequences of your actions on others simply because you failed to weigh the consequences of your actions ahead of time. Stacy was an activist against the drug war. She knew full well that this, what the state would do to her if they found out what she was doing. She just irresponsibly thought, well, it's never going to happen to me. I'm special. Well, no, Stacy, you're not special. Stacy has labeled her blog drug war victim, but Stacy was only a victim of the drug war until she decided to turn her people turn on her people once that happened Stacy became an enemy combatant in the drug war on the side of the aggressors but to this point in the story Stacy's problems have only just begun in the search warrant used in the raid police intentionally gave very specific information about their confidential informant that led to Stacy being outed as a snitch her friends confronted her about it and she acted like she had no idea what they were talking about She later showed up to a party where she was made aware that they knew what she had done and she left a short time later. Stacey wrote a Facebook note confessing to her collaboration with the state. She explained her motives. She described herself as a victim. She said she was sorry. She claimed she didn't understand what she had done, but she did understand. She wrote about it in detail. She sacrificed others for her own best interests. Stacey violated the non-aggression principle by sending agents of the state after her people. Word quickly got out. Stacey was a public figure, so her actions became of interest to a worldwide community of liberty activists who, whether whether they engage in illegal activities or not, have no tolerance for collaboration with the state. She is being ostracized from her community. People are threatening her. She is desperate, plagued with guilt, and uncertain of her future. Now that now that she has been outed as an informant, she is unable to bust anybody else. And the state doesn't think she's given them nearly enough victims yet. So they are proceeding against her, apparently as if she never cooperated at all. The police used Stacey. And when they were done with her, they fed her to the wolves. Even police don't respect informants. They use them like they use everyone else until they are no longer of use. Stacy faces the worst of both worlds. The state is coming for her. Her friends ostracize her. She faces threats of violence from individuals. She'll likely end up serving a lengthy prison sentence, and doing time in prison is even worse when you're an internationally known snitch. Whatever your opinions of Stacy, whatever you decide your relationship will be with her in the future, learn from this. Snitching doesn't work. If you are captured by the state, your only options is to suffer their wrath or to fight back. Collaborating with them will only make matters worse. The agents of the state work in the best interests of the state. They have no interest in honesty or contracts. They lie and steal and assault and kidnap and murder. There can be no moral argument to be made for collaboration with them, no matter what threats or promises they make. They are not worthy of our trust, nor can you trust lawyers simply because you find them listed on a particular website. Lawyers are trained to speak the language of the state. That is to say, they speak deceit. If a lawyer can extract $2,500 from you and all he has to do is help you negotiate a plea agreement, that lawyer has just gotten $2,500 for doing next to nothing. If you intend to defy the state, you better read up on their laws and be involved in your defense. Taking a lawyer's word for it is certain to lead to catastrophe. Do not tell me that Stacy was without options. She had several very viable ones. Number one, do your time. You knew the danger you put yourself in. It was that danger that allowed you the profit margins that provided for the large sum of Federal Reserve notes and silver that was confiscated. Do not pretend to me that you sold drugs to further the cause of liberty. You sold drugs to enrich yourself. And it was the war on drugs that allowed you to profit as you did. And while I have no problem with a person profiting from drugs, you have no right to be surprised when you get caught as so many others have. Nor should you pretend that going to jail, quote, simply wasn't in the cards for you. As you said in your note, you dealt your own hand. Do not blame your cards on anyone but the dealer. Going to jail is an option. And I know this is an option because I have exercised this option myself. I know this because my friends are in jail right now. I know that because I fully expect to be in jail in the future. That is what happens when you defy the state and the state of society. And that's why we're activists. If it were possible to stand in open defiance of the state and not go to jail, we would not be having this conversation. You could have gone to trial. You wouldn't be the first one to do it. You could have outed your informant and shot for jury nullification. Even if you didn't take it all the way, you could have, number three, pled it out. The state does not seek to sentence you to the max on 13 felony drug sales. They seek to gain your compliance. This is the business of the state. You're a sympathetic defendant. That is before you turn snitch. The state hates to take a sympathetic defendant before a jury. Before I read about your case, I heard nothing of a plea offer. You might well have wound up on probation if you had kept your stupid mouth shut. Instead, you turned on your people, which amounted to a confession. You never challenged the warrant or the circumstances of your arrest. And now you'll never have the chance because you flipped within six hours again busted. You could have run. You had a network of liberty activists at your disposal. Many of us would have helped you hide. Given the proper introduction, perhaps the Liberty Movement needs to organize a modern-day underground railroad to hide all these victimless criminals that we could offer as an alternative to coercion. This, the type of coercion that Stacy faced. There are those who say that they appreciate Stacy's honesty after the fact, but the truth is, Stacy only came clean after she was outed by the state. Had Stacy come clean before ratting out her friends, then her honesty would be worthy of praise, and a global network of activists has her back. If Stacy hadn't been outed, she would still be working as an informant. She might well be at some public event we hold, trying to do by-bus. She would have done this for as long as she could maintain her cover and had these cases hanging over her head. She could have and may well already have introduced undercover agents into the movement. They may well be reading the same message as you. They may well be commenting on it in full agreement. They may well make inroads with you by talking about this very scenario. In the end, Stacy is still indignant towards those who condemn her actions. She seems to think the people she hurt are wrong for sounding the alarm to the rest of the community. She writes on May 3rd that she is not sorry about, quote, being mad at the people who know they are telling every Tom, Dick, and Harry about this. Maybe respect my privacy a little bit and, again, put yourself in my shoes and realize it is a really complex situation that is hard to grasp when you're only telling people the bad parts. This sort of cognitive dissonance is amazing to me. Asking people to respect her privacy after she gets friends' homes raided by the police. She says that the people who ostracize her are their, quote, own version of the state, end quote, and repeatedly makes mention of them becoming the state, when in fact the only libertarian in this equation who acted as an agent of the state was Stacey Litz. On April 19th, before she writes this, I'm sorry. On April 19th, she writes, quote, this right libertarian thing doesn't work because it lacks human emotion. So stop claiming to be so much of a tight ass principled libertarian for five seconds and realize it doesn't work. Well, I am a principled libertarian, Stacy, and it does work. Initiatory force and fraud would fail, and your willingness to engage in both is why you are now an enemy of both sides of the law. It's a shame that others had to be harmed so that you could be exposed for what you are, a dangerous, irresponsible, unprincipled fraud. But I say good riddance to you nonetheless. I do, however, thank you for serving as a powerful example to the rest of the community. That collaboration with the state leads to nothing but anguish on some. That's uh, Stacy Lipp's "The Liberty Snitch," published uh, May 12, 2012. And so um, anybody uh, anybody want to chime in? I can keep going. I got another one. Let's see him that one out uh, what else we got here not that one i'm gonna let's see here. Uh, i shouldn't do that one here Can i do that one maybe 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 let me see here. you know what what i what i notice as i go through these things it's a it's an interesting re- revelation of the timeline right so i mean you know you're you're seeing in that piece right there that. You know, I'm realizing very early on, like, I didn't understand the left libertarian thing at first, right? I thought that libertarians were libertarians, you know. Libertarians are not left or right, you know, they're, they're libertarians. They're a different category of action, you know. And as I got more involved in that movement, I realized, like, that's not true. Like, that's definitely not true. They, they have that phenomenon within that movement just as much as the rest of the country does. And, you know, that was something that I sort of figured out sort of step by step and these sort of um, things kept coming up and happening, but that was a very early one. I mean, she's out there selling drugs, and she thinks that that's great, right? She's doing a public service by by peddling dope to her friends, and then as soon as she gets in trouble, she's like, "Oh, I've got to rat everybody out," and everybody who criticizes me for doing that is a monster, right? And I'm like, "Well, what's wrong with you? You know, I didn't call her a leftist during that thing because it didn't occur to me, but you know, she she." She knew exactly what she was doing. She's like, oh, everybody who's trying to, like, do the decent thing, you're a bunch of (laughs) right-wingers. And I found that pretty amusing, you know, going back through it. This right libertarian thing doesn't work. Yeah. You know what doesn't work? Selling drugs, you know. So let's see here. I want to. I don't want to go into anything too nuts here, but I, like some, a lot of the stuff that I published is pretty, pretty spicy here.
1: That's well, I could bring up something.
0: Yeah, go ahead, please do.
1: All right. Um, I mean, I don't even know how relevant it is or how much it's on everybody's mind, but um, you know. I still hear people, you know, people are talking more about the election now for two reasons. One, it's getting closer, and number two, uh, all of the uh, prosecutions or indictments against Trump. And, you know, um, not so long ago, before America was just whatever it is now, I mean, there would be no shot at, at Biden winning this, this coming election. And where I'm coming from this is not as a super fan of Trump, I mean, I do hate Biden with a a passion. Every time I I hear or see him, I I get pissed off. But um, more of a, all right, so is there any accountability anymore at all? And what I'm getting at is, like, there's guys, like, in in the groups that I'm in that are just confident that Biden has this in the bag, that there's no way Trump can win. And they they are still saying that Biden doesn't need – fraud you know he's he's gonna win fair 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 and square and i don't know where they're getting this stuff but if that's true i mean it does make you wonder what the point is because look look the economy is a disaster world affairs are a disaster we look like ass we look like idiots on on the world stage like daily and inflation and unchecked immigration i mean there is nothing that is going right, right 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 now and so if biden can just sail to to another victory i mean to me that just basically tells you everything you need to know about about where this country is or what its future is which isn't there isn't one and uh, do you have any thoughts on that i mean
0: it, yeah my i my thoughts on it are everything you said is uncontroversial in my mind right i mean the, the democrats will destroy the country i i think is the thrust of what you're saying and i mean It's curious to me that there are people who purport not to notice that. (laughs) You know, I mean, my my whole thing here is basically that, like, you know, whatever anybody thinks of Trump or whoever else, you know, I I don't it it baffles the mind to think that anybody thinks anything good can come of the Democrats being in control of the government. And so, like, like I I I try not to, like, hurl accusations at people if i can avoid it but it's difficult not to right when people are like oh f trump i'm like well you're you're trying to help the democrats because you're trying to ruin the country right just why don't you just go out and admit that you know it's kind of what i you know i'm always tempted to do you know
1: well they say it doesn't even make i mean you know obviously i i didn't think anything that i said would you you would take issue with but what what gets me is people are just like well it doesn't matter trump is of no use and it wouldn't make any difference and i mean I don't know how our, I don't know how any sane, basically what you just said, how any sane person can think that. And it sometimes it makes me feel like I'm missing something because some of the people that say it, I mean, they're not cognitively impaired, but, you know, I mean, you would think that they would have to be. And I don't know, that's just been bothering me a lot. And, and I don't really, you know, most people that I talk to either disagree or just don't care, so.
0: I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know how much that I can say about it that wouldn't be terribly repetitive, honestly, because it's just I I talk about this every time I end up on the on with some other personality. I went out to this, you know, at some length with um, Joe Pritch the other day, notably. Um, And so, like, you know, he he was like, oh, my audience keeps telling me to try to talk you out of Trump. and I'm like, "Okay, well, here's how our political system works. And so do you want Joe Biden to be president of the United States? (laughs) you know i mean if that's what you want then say that's what you want and if you want something other than that then tell me another plan you know and so like you know i think that <clears throat> i don't know you know the the temptation that i i get into which i'm i'm trying to resist is basically just to call everybody bad actors right i mean there's no there's not there's not really like a there's not a plausible explanation you know for saying oh you know avoid politics because that's going to improve your lot in life, right? You know, you know, people say people are like, "Oh, you know, go join the, the go join the NJP." Okay, fine, go join the NJP. Like I'm not even telling you not to. I'm just telling you that that's not an alternative to politics. It's a completely different category of action. You want to go play in the sandbox, that's fine. But, you know, somebody's going to be president come 2025, and if you want to have any say in it, you might want to, like, have something to do with the, with that process, you know?
1: Right. Like, I mean, you know, and th- I was hesitant to, to, to bring it up because I, ag- I agree with, with your response that there's not a whole lot you can really say about it without repeating yourself. But, I mean, my whole thing on that is you can do both. You can You, you can try to get the Democrats out of power, and you can join the NJP. And I'm with you. I have no problem with that. I mean— I've been um, in in groups that were pretty pretty much adjacent to them, and you know, uh, I'm not ashamed to say that. I mean, so I just thought, I don't see it as a binary choice. I don't I don't see it as an either or thing. Um,
0: well, what it, I, here's what happens in third party politics, and I know this from dealing with the libertarians, right? You know, there's like, you know, when I was involved with the Libertarian Party, there was a segment of the Libertarian Party that understood what the Libertarian Party was and wanted to like keep it in its keep it in its box and use it for what it was which is basically a messaging vehicle and then there are people who are like no our job is to destroy the republican party and you know interestingly enough same phenomenon here there's nobody who thinks that the purpose of the institution is to wreck the democrats right the same thing happened with the libertarians that like there were libertarians who wanted to use the party as a means by which to spread a libertarian message. And then there were libertarians who wanted to use the Libertarian Party as a means by which to wreck the Republican Party. And there was no segment of the Libertarian Party <laughs> that thought that the purpose of the institution was to wreck the Democrats, okay? And we have the same thing emerging, you know, in the dissident right. And, you know, I'm not going to guess at people's motives, but I mean, it's just, you know, that's that's the phenomenon that's that's basically emerging. It's like, you know, so you know as i've said before i mean it's not like they can't do good it's just a completely different category of action than politics it's not it's not a, it's not a political party there's no there's no plan to get somebody other than donald trump elected right it's it's not you know it, it the people who are telling you you know for whatever reason whether it's avoid politics altogether or whether it's f trump there's no here's how we're going to get a better president than donald trump that's not part of the you know it's not part of the equation and so like You know, there's—and, you know, it attends in, like, radical movements generally, I think, you know, to say that one is above politics, right? You're saying, like, the politics are bad, and we're better than that, okay? And, you know, that's tempting, right? Because, as a matter of fact, like, that's actually a lot easier than politics, you know? Like, people are like, oh, well, what I'm actually doing is—I'm doing something very virtuous. I'm taking a very bold stance by— um, refusing to engage in this uh, this activity, which I'm I've deemed immoral. Well, you know, and I imagine that some people are, you know, attracted to that message, perhaps driven by it. But you know, uh, it, it's impossible to ignore the fact that 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 messaging also provides a much easier path. Right? You actually don't have to do anything then. Right? You, you, there's no. You don't have to live up to standards, you don't have to dress properly, you don't have to show up to meetings, you don't have to actually do anything at all. All you have to do is say I'm better than that. And you know, that that appeals to a lot of people who fall into like fringe political movements, right? Because you know, you know, you're you know, there's there's different things that draw people to political movements obviously, but one of them is their malcontents, right? They're basically like they they're incapable of satisfaction and so like you know, there's there would not be anything good enough for them. Whatever it is that that is going on, that just must not be right. And so you you know this is you see this most prominently with like the transgenders who are like you know my own body is my battleground or whatever. But you know it it happens in other contexts obviously. And so like you know people are drawn to fringe political movements because they can't succeed in them. Right? They're they're like oh well I get to feel virtuous while I well I aim for this impossible goal and because I'm aiming for an impossible goal instead of something that's actually achievable then I can never be judged for my failures you know and I'm not saying yeah, that that's, think, I'm not saying that's everybody in it you know there's a lot of different motives but I mean there's there's a certain segment of that and and that and that segment being what it is it's a source of political power on political fringes you know
1: yeah and I also think that some of the leaders um, you know the the relative leaders of of, of those types of things, they kind of get addicted to uh, bold stances or novel stances, it, it seems like. I mean, they they, they have to be doing that. Um, and I, I don't know what the psychological phenomenon is, but it does seem like that to me, that it becomes an addiction in a way.
0: Yeah, somebody uh, coined the term hot takeism once in a chat, and I thought that, that was pretty good. Um, you know, that becomes the purpose of the exercise, right? I mean, you know, it's one thing to, you know, But the thing is, like, a bold stance is a bold stance because it forfeits something, okay? And so, like, people don't—it people short-circuits, you know, people's reasoning centers when people do this because they don't understand, actually, like, the incentives involved. But when you understand it, it's actually not so bold, right? So, like, if you're—you know, if you are involved with a fringe political movement and you make your living in a fringe political movement, eventually the bold thing for you to do is tell people to shut up and calm down, Okay? like that's actually the ballsy thing to do because you're not risking the forfeiture of your salary to say it. Right. And, and so like, once, once your, once your paycheck comes from, you know, once your paycheck comes from edgy takes, it's no longer, it's no longer a bold stance to, to do, right. You're, you're, you're just like, you're, you're just doing what's expected of your position. And so like, you know, a lot of people don't understand that, unfortunately. And, 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 that that results in this you know phenomenon and the other thing is you know the 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 media ecosystem here especially with like live streamers right i was actually just remarking to this somebody reached out to me about volunteering not so long ago and like you know he was basic he was somebody who wanted to start live streaming and i'm like don't do it just don't like (laughs) the last thing we need is more live streamers and um you know, I, I remarked to him that basically, like, of all the media content producers, you know, it's difficult for me to say as a live streamer, but <clears throat> I recognize the incentives of it, right? That, you know, I'm like, look, you know, a lot of these people are just, all they're looking at is the damn super chats, right? You know, it's, it's do, do you, you know, you, you look at his thing and, okay, now I can bring, so I'm going to just real quick start the Odyssey stream here because this thing is finally ready here. And so... Probably nobody's going to be watching it because we're, you know, an hour into this thing. But um, in case they do come to it, I want to have it available for them.
1: That's- well, it's a, I'll let you move on. But it's interesting that that you said, you know, the the bold thing um, at some point becomes to tell pe- people to, to to calm down and 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 think about what they're doing because I kind of feel like that's what's happened to you in in a way. I mean, you know, you used to be a little bit more on the on the edgy, you know. Um, kind of entertainment side of it. And, and you kind of learned some lessons and maybe you grew up a little bit and I mean, obviously you, you went through some things and, you know, I mean, of course you're going to hear the, hear the, the people say that you are, you're, you're de-radicalizing or you're not, uh, you know, you're just getting sucked back into the politics as usual or whatever. I don't really see it that way, but I'm, I'm, I'm just saying that, yeah, you're right. It does become more, more bold to, to kind of, uh, come back to earth.
0: Well, yeah. Because- but so like the people that are saying those things are a predictable consequence of the, of the path that I'm on. Right. And because, and because that's the predictable consequence, it's like, th- that's why it becomes the bold stance. Right. I, I understand, you know, I understood when I went to Virginia in 2017, that, you know, doing the things that I was doing risked getting, getting me like kicked off of platforms and you know, that people would want to hurt me. Okay. It was a dangerous thing to do back then. The dangerous thing to do now for me <laughs> is not to go out and say edgy things. The dangerous thing for me to do now is to be like, hey, everybody calm down. Okay. Like, <laughs> everybody, everybody try to, you know, let's let's try to cooperate and get along with the world that we live in and and actually try to impact it and, you know, act more prudently. The the easiest thing in the world for me to do <clears throat> is embrace the, the the persona created of me in the media and just go along with that, especially now, right? Like now there's actually ways to monetize that that didn't exist when the FBI kicked my door down, you know, four years ago. So like, you know, the easiest thing in the world for me to do is just, you know, continue to embrace that. And it's just, you know, I'm just sick of getting kicked in the teeth by these people and watching good people get hurt. I, that I can't deal with anymore, you know? So like, you know, I'm not sure it would be easier for me to, you know, to keep on doing that stuff because I mean, I'd, I'd probably be pretty torn up about it, but. You know, as far as, you know, professional, as far as professional incentives, it's actually pretty, pretty clear what the, what they're all aiming towards. Anybody else? Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, buddy.
2: Yeah. Hey, what's up, man? Missed you. But, uh, hey, to echo on that, uh, what that caller was saying, you know, I definitely kind of been feeling a little bit blackpilled recently you know when the news broke that uh owen schroyer got time in prison for january 6th despite you know never going in and basically just from what i perceive at least from what i'm reading in the news it's like you know they're sending him to prison for saying things basically and it, it, not for 90 days whatever but you know it's just when i see these kind of stories i, I just feel like the writing is on the wall to get the hell out uh and i've been watching a lot of this youtube content from this guy nomad capitalist it seems like a libertarian guy that started a company that basically helps people you know move out of the country you know move investments taxes you know get citizenships passports you name it and uh, i just gotta be honest you know i feel like it's the only thing that's kind of given me any kind of hope uh it's just this idea that i can hopefully leave and it's not like uh it, it's not like I feel good about that as an option. It's just, I, I just don't feel like very safe anymore. Just, I mean, how long before, you know, something extremely minor can line mine line you up in a, you know, in trouble for just saying something. I mean, we're not far away from that already. And it's, it's scary.
0: Well, I mean, um, I understand that, uh, people can, can definitely get in trouble for their words. I understand that. I think that I, I don't think that there's a lot of examples of, of people literally going to jail or, you know, just, just for talking about politics. I I think that a lot of that is like, okay, well, yeah, there was a political motivation for this other thing that happened. And this, this person's otherwise imperfect behavior, you know, is now being used to treat them in a manner that is less fair than another criminal would, you know, endure. Uh, and so, you know, that's one thing that I'll say about it. I mean, you know, Look, the thing that i went to prison over was not like it wasn't flawless right you know it, it, you know it, it yeah i literally went to prison over words but it was you know words that should not have been exchanged okay i don't think that you know what they charged me with was what actually happened but you know it it, it was a it was an avoidable circumstance say and so You know, there's that is one thing that I like to remind people of. It's not like people are literally going to prison for expressing political views. That's that's literally not happening. Right now, I don't actually know what happened with Owen Schroer. You said that he he was locked up. He didn't go into the Capitol, but what he was on the grounds or he was involved in this alleged conspiracy or what was the story?
2: I perceive it sounds like at least from what I read, it sounds like he because he was on the capital property but not in the building or anywhere near the entrance i guess because he was standing up and making a speech of some sort uh i from this is just from what i you know read on the articles you know that he's getting sentenced for basically you know stoking the flames promoting a narrative um i mean everything that i read in these this article it, it didn't make sense to me on how they can get him for it but yeah, uh, and I think this kind of ties back to what my initial point was. And it's not like I—I'm I, scared of you know I said something and now I'm in trouble. It's just I just think this general country is becoming such banana republic when you see the the kind of new ruling class of HR people and the diversity monster of the system. It's just I don't see it being favorable to stay here when there are so many other places that you know have better tax rates. You know, a very laxadaisical attitude in, ter- in terms of you know, what you're engaging in, as long as you're paying a very small part of your taxes and not being an asshole. Like, you know, when you look at so many other places, you know, whether it's like Eastern Europe or Asian countries, like some of these countries are even like Muslim countries. You look at like uh, Malaysia and things and you see these countries and it's like these are nice places that you can live the rest of your life very nicely. And it's just, I, I'm finding it harder and harder to just grasp the idea of sticking around, especially with this kind of news, you know, regardless of what Owen did.
0: Well, let me, let me read. I'm going to read from CNN because they're going to be as unfavorable as possible. Let me just read this thing about him getting sentenced. Owen Troyer, a right-wing conspiracy theorist and InfoWars host, was sentenced to 60 days in jail on Tuesday. Get out of my way, advertisement. Uh, for his involvement in the January 6, 2021 attack on the U.S. Capitol, Troyer pleaded guilty to one misdemeanor count of entering and remaining on restricted grounds on June 2020 in t- In June 2023—oh, in June, he pleaded guilty. Uh, He did not enter the Capitol uh, building itself. D.C. District Judge Timothy Kelly told Schroyer during sentencing, you kind of stand out as a unique case, and told him he was, quote, not nearly just a trespasser on January 6th. According to court documents, Schroyer spread election disinformation in the months leading up to the Capitol attack. The prosecutors say in the documents that by December 31st, 2020— InfoWars was focusing primarily on January 6th. On January 6th, Schroyer attended former President Donald Trump's speech at the Ellipse and made his way to the Capitol with other rioters, according to prosecutors. Schroyer had a megaphone with him and led chants among other rioters. Kelly said many factors went into his sentencing decision, including that Schroyer played a role in amping up the crowds. Schroyer had previously asked the judge to drop the four misdemeanor charges he was facing for his activity in the Capitol attack. Kelly denied the motion, and Schroyer would eventually plead guilty. So, there's a couple of things here. For one, <clears throat> okay, you know what the guy was actually charged with was trespassing, right? And so, like, I don't think that that's appropriate under the circumstances. But you know that that is what happens. So, if you don't want to, if you don't want what happened to him to happen to you, don't don't be where you're not supposed to be, right? I mean, you know. Just, I don't think it's okay what happened, but you know, it's a thing to keep in mind.
2: Go ahead. I hadn't heard that's actually what the charge was. You know, this is just me skimming the news, so I didn't hear that it was actual trespassing. But yeah.
0: And the other thing is, the guy, the guy pleaded guilty, right? And so, you know, and, and don't get me wrong, that was probably a wise thing for the guy to do. You know, you're gonna go to try. You know, they could put you on trial for assassinating Abraham Lincoln in this stupid DC nonsense, and you know, they'll they'll find you guilty or whatever. they will be like, oh, you like you voted for Trump. You're guilty of murder. And would be like, we we charge you with trespassing. No, murder! You know, the jury will take you for a ride. You know, um, and so, you know, the guy pleaded guilty to a misdemeanor. He got 60 days in jail. And my guess is that he's, I don't know exactly how much time you do of your time in D.C., but, you know, he's not going to be, he's not going to spend very long. He got sentenced to 60 days. I'm guessing you do two-thirds, maybe half of your time there. And so, you know, he's out in no time. But, you know, that's the uh, that's the thing with that. And, I mean, in any case, it's, you know, uh, uh, You know, as soon as you as soon as these people think that there's something to gain by, you know, by causing you a problem, they're going to cause you a problem. And, and that's obvious enough. And so, you know, the individual circumstances of anybody's specific case, you know, you know, is another story. Right. So you know if people make it impossible for you to make a living and then they chase you around you know sabotaging your income all the time and then as soon as you run into a problem as a consequence of not having any money you go to prison i mean you know how how many steps disconnected from from this are they you know that's a debatable subject and so they uh it's unfortunate what happened to the guy but you know i would say in any case expatriation is an interesting subject and i don't i don't disagree fundamentally that like you know, one would do well to have their passport, you know, straightened out and to uh, to have thought about where they might go should they, you know, make that decision. Um, because, you know, I, I've been of the mind, you know, prior to becoming a convicted felon, I, I was like, you know, it's like, all oh, right, well, I'm not going anywhere because it's the only place where I can speak my mind and carry a firearm, right? And now I can't do that anymore. I can't do either, as a matter of fact. And so... You know, if I'm going to be uh, if I'm going to have restrictions placed upon my speech and I'm going to go to prison for the rest of my life for carrying a gun, you know, why? Why shouldn't I live in Russia? You know, like, okay, at least Russia tells you what the you know, Russia tells you what the laws are. Okay, there's hate speech laws in Russia. But if you you know what they are, right, if you're not allowed to you know, you're not allowed to say certain things in Russia. And you know what they are because, you know, that's the law. Here we're like, okay, well, you can say whatever you want. You know, you have freedom of speech. Freedom after speech is another question, you know, as they used to say. Um, and so, you know, expatriation is an interesting subject. I have done minimal research on the topic, honestly. I should probably do a bit more of it. Um, I don't know. You got any – sh- I shouldn't ask you. We shouldn't, you know, foil the plot or whatever, but – uh um, do, you, do you care to say anything about destinations?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that it really depends on what circumstances you have. And I think this is kind of what I've been, you know, reading on and uh, seeing a lot uh, in my research is that, you know, let's say most of your money comes from, let's say, capital gains. Well, there's certain places where capital gains are taxed differently than other income. There's certain places where, uh, you know, you spend X amount as uh, an investor in the company. Uh, country you know whether you, it's like spend 40 grand on opening a business there and having like one full time employee at x amount of salary for a year like then you get permanent residency and citizen you know i guess it really depends on a lot of the You know who you are in terms of what you do for money and work and uh i guess what you also kind of bring to the table in terms of like family and what you're looking for but honestly when i when i kind of look at the writing on the wall i think that you know a lot of eastern european countries as much as they might be kind of retarded and woke at least politically i still think people wise they're probably a lot more normal and yeah i think it would be a boring life for me but i think at least that would be like a safe wholesome kind of place at least a little bit i see places in asia at least being just very civilized and orderly like i was saying even some of the countries that you know we'd say are like muslim countries like indonesia like singapore like these are fantastic you know giant cities with tons of you know fantastic favorable rules for people that might want to be an entrepreneur in you know this is the thing with the online business i think that with so many options to make money online it would be in everyone's best interest to say okay where can i live where instead of paying you know 15 or 20 percent, i pay 4 percent because that's huge and that is something that you have to consider you know cost of living so like even mexico or colombia like hell even el salvador now with some of the new peace down there i think there's you know so many places and i think i'm just working on getting a second passport uh for a european country that i can get their ancestry And I think uh, there's a lot of places you don't even need uh, citizenship, just uh, residency, which isn't that hard to get in some places.
0: Right, right, right. And so, um, yeah, I mean, those seem like worthwhile pursuits. And I mean, I've talked about, you know, trying to find more ways for people to make um, online uh, incomes. And, uh, you know, the idea behind that has been for domestic political purposes. But of course, you know. As a uh, as a last resort or a not so last resort that uh, you know it also serves the the potential of expatriation and so I think that's a, it's a it's a it's a worthwhile course of investigation I can't say that I've done a whole lot of it I don't know how much I can say to it intelligently but it's a it's a thing worth informing oneself of for sure anybody uh, anybody want to chime in go ahead
3: So, as I understand it, the whole case of Owen uh, Schroyer is, am, am I pronouncing that right? Yeah. Owen yeah. Schroyer um, leaves a bad precedence because he's charged with trespassing, but yet his words are bring, uh, being brought into the case as saying Democrats are tyrants, death to tyrants as um, being a reason why to prosecute him and send him to prison. So whereas I feel like you were the first to be indicted in this kind of scheme of things, Owen Troyer represents a bad precedent in that his speech could be used against him and against other people. Because in the future, they want to take your speech you being a podcaster, you don't even have to go into the Capitol. All you have to do is tell people you are nationalist, and therefore you're guilty. And I think that is where the main danger lies here. I don't know. What do you think? Am, am I going about this wrong?
0: Well, the, uh, in, his, in his case, the problem is that... It seems to me that what he's been charged with is trespassing. Now, granted, he wouldn't have been charged with trespassing if it wasn't for his political views being out of step with the regime, right? I mean, if he was, you know, if he was a Black Lives Matter activist, he could have gone set the place on fire and they'd have called it a peaceful protest, right? But, you know, this is what's going to happen. Like, if you have political views that are out of step with those of the people in power and then you... You trespass you'll be you know you could be charged with trespassing and you'll be and you'll be punished more harshly than somebody who's usually charged with trespassing right but that's what he was that's what he was charged with you know um i have
3: some uh, technical difficulties there
0: uh, but he was charged with trespassing is entering or remaining on like restricted grounds is what it was technically but it's the same idea yeah
3: yeah he he did not go into the capitol so the purpose behind him being uh, prosecuted the way he is is that they can use somebody's words against them even if they did not go into the capitol even if they weren't there on the grass or weren't there on the lawn you chris are making a podcast and your words might inflame people into action therefore you are Criminally liable for those people that might go in.
0: Right? That's not that's not what he was charged with. So like,
3: he, what he no, was he's charged t- with trespassing for freaking what? Uh, Sixty days in jail, plus.
0: So so that's the thing though, right? So like they use like they used his words at sentencing, and they say, oh, you are riling up the crowd, right? And so like, okay, he like there's not a dispute that he entered or remained upon restricted grounds. Okay, that's not in dispute. He he confesses to this. All right. That's why he pleaded guilty because if he goes to trial, he doesn't have a leg to stand on. He actually did what they accused him of doing, right? And so, like, you know, you're in that position. You're going to plead guilty. There's just no, there's no two ways about it. And because, and because you're in Washington D.C. and because you're 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 not a leftist, you know, they use that against you at sentencing. But like, you know, the fact of his being charged, it, you know, me being on a podcast and saying things that are out of step with the regime does not get me charged with a crime. It has never done that, right? In, in all of their attempts to get me in trouble, they have never done that. Nobody has ever said, I've never been accused of doing anything illegal with my podcast. Nobody's ever even accused me of this, okay? But what they do is they say, okay, because I dislike what you say on the podcast, I will look for any opportunity to say that you broke the law. And as soon as I have that argument, I'm gonna throw the book at you. It's exactly what happened to me, right? And so, you know, if anybody else was in a conversation with Cheddar Maine, and and lost their temper with him and from from across the country told him in no uncertain terms not to come around again, you know, however impolitely they may have done it, they would not have spent 41 months in prison. Right. That's that's a fact. But because they they were looking for an opportunity to come give me a problem. You know, they went and they tracked this guy down and threatened to send CNN to his house to get him to testify against me. Right. So this is this is the idea. What was I charged with? Was I charged with anything that I said on my podcast? No. I was charged with threatening a person in a in a private conversation. And the only reason that that happened is because of what I do on the podcast. Right. If this guy didn't call the cops, he he never he never said publicly that I threatened his family. The only thing he ever complained about was that I doxed him. Right. And then the FBI shows up and they say, oh, you know, he threatened your family. And why don't you go ahead and say that under oath so that we can charge him with a crime? You know, and he's like, oh, well, I'd rather do that than have CNN come here. Right. And that's that's how I end up in prison. But it's because I said that thing to him in a private conversation that they they have the excuse to do it. And so, you know, that's the that's a situation that we face. And it's not a good one. Don't get me wrong. But like, you know, it's it's not to a point it, we, we are just I, I just want to make sure that people understand that like while people will abuse the legal system motivated by political disagreements you you actually can't be you know you you can't be charged with a crime for that right The, the crime has to be something else and while i think that i what i said was not the threat they made it out to be like you think about this okay you know what I said to him was, if if you don't want me to F your wife in front of your kids, you better get scarce, okay? Now, if I walked up to a family in a park who never met me before, and I said that to, like, the father, and he punched me in the face, would I have a, a leg to stand on if I the guy, if I accuse that guy of assault? No. If I said that to some stranger in a park, and he had no idea who I was, and I said that without some disagreement ongoing, and he punched me, like, the police would be like, yeah, of course, you threaten his family. Like, you have no right to complain when you get punched in the face, right? Right. So, like, you know, it's the context of my relationship with that individual that that makes it a little bit of a different scenario. You know, it was my case at trial, and it didn't work out, you know, obviously it didn't work out well for me, but, you know, what I did was something that one ought not do in any case. And it was a consequence, you know, but of course, you know, this would have never happened if the if law enforcement responded to my repeated complaints about the situation. Right. They create the lawless situation. They hold you liable for that. You know, if anything, the, the thing to complain about our legal system is that they're not prosecuting criminals, actually, is kind of is the bigger problem. Right. So, you know, when when half the country can get away with crimes you know, bad things happen as a consequence. So then they hold, you know, their political opponents liable for the outcome of the lawlessness. Is kind of what's going on. That's what happened in Charlottesville. It's what happened with me, you know. And arguably, that's what happened with January 6th, right? You know, you you took away all of the fraud protections for the election. And whether the election was stolen or not, like as soon as you do that, you you're you're creating the suspicion that that you're cheating and so like you you removed all of the the things that assure integrity in the election and then sure enough people like you stole it that's a reasonable inference right and so like that's what happens when 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 all of the laws go out the window is you live in a lawless society and like if anything the the, the problem is that they're not prosecuting criminals i'd say you know that's that's really the thing it's it's the, it's not so much that they're going and snatching people up for 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 not breaking the law or, you know, putting people in prison for disagreements. But, like, it's the problem is that they're not prosecuting the criminals. If they prosecuted the criminals, then none of this stuff would ever have to happen.
3: I mean, it's obvious that they are prosecuting one side and not the other. And you were one of the first cases, right? I mean, everybody knows about Alex Jones, but who came before Alex Jones? Nobody remembers that. I do. But it's like, okay— so, you know about this situation in New Mexico where the governor tried to decree um, all guns be banned if you live in an area where the murder rate is above one per 1,000 citizens, right?
0: Um, say say that again. I'm sorry.
3: So, the governor of New Mexico made a decree for health reasons, okay, piggy piggybacking off of uh, coronavirus, right? If you live in an area where the murder rate is more than one per 1,000 citizens, you cannot have a gun in that area. So there's um, Albuquerque and one other area. Now, I admit I am completely copying 100% off of Tim Pool's site right now, okay? Uh, uh, I did not come up with this. But uh, what happened after the decree is a whole bunch of citizens showed up in protest open carrying a lot of firearms. No police were at the scene. Now, the, the dangerous question is, with today's technology, you just run a bunch of facial recognition software, you know who these people are, and you send officers to their door after the fact and say, look, I'm here, I, there's a bench warrant for your arrest. You're coming with me. So even though you might show up in mass with multiple people with open carrying firearms, all they have to do is wait until after the fact, figure out who these people are, prosecute them individually. So they, it's like they started off prosecuting you. Then they go to prosecuting this person for trespassing, though he's saying death to all tyrants. That's a precedent. And then in Albuquerque, you can use uh, the whole COVID health response thing for creating a national emergency for health reason to ban guns. And then the police don't even have to show up at the protest. They could just, after the fact, just like in January 6, just like in Charlottesville, go after those people months even years after the fact, break down their door, arrest them, hold them accountable. The precedent, man, it's different, you know?
0: Well, um, portions of it are, I mean, you know, the idea that the police investigate a crime subsequent to it occurring is not a particularly new phenomenon, right? So if there's a bunch of, you know, people with guns and the police would rather not shoot it out with them, they could take pictures of them, go arrest them later on. That's not, that's not in my book very shocking, but... You know, but yeah, I mean, they, you know, they, the, that's the, the intersection of January 6th and August 12th, I would say, you know, is a, is an interesting topic of conversation that I don't think that this is talked about much in say the mainstream press, but like, you know, it seems to me that, you know, the MAGA set as I, as I sometimes refer to them is getting the idea that. Oh yeah. Okay. You know, the, these people told us, Oh, you know, it's a, it's a bunch of Nazis. We don't, you know, you you shouldn't care what happens to them when it's August 12th. And then, you know, they basically took full advantage of that and abused the legal system. And then when they turn around and they do it to other people later on, they're like, well, what, this is what we do. Like, we've been doing this for years. What are you talking about? You know, you just don't like it when it happens to you. Well, tough, tough titties, you know? And you know, that's, that's what they do, and this is you know the left is, you know the left always just everything they do is advance, 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 right? They're never you know they're always attack, never defend is their is their thing, and so like you know every everything they do is ground that they gain and they never cede territory, right? And so you know, you know the the transgender thing is the great example that they they go from. What uh, consenting adults do in the privacy of their own bedroom is none of your business, and that's how you get a constitutional right to sodomy becomes a constitutional right to same-sex marriage becomes we're sending our men into your your daughter's bathroom becomes we're cutting off your child's genitals, right? And they do this so rapidly that you know people don't have an opportunity to react to it generally, and you know their abuses of the legal system are you know both its own phenomenon and a part of the phenomenon as a as a broader category of action I mean this is what they do and you know that's why they need to be removed from power right the the the, the you know as long as they're able you know there's always going to be prosecutorial discretion right like that's an appropriate phenomenon right you know it's appropriate that a prosecutor can look at a situation and be like oh well you know yeah it's illegal to shoot people but obviously this guy had it coming and so I'm not going to prosecute you for shooting this guy right so you know, prosecutorial discretion is a real thing. It exists for a reason. It exists for good reasons. And it's always going to exist. And when you put that, you know, discretion in the hands of leftists, I mean, there's no, there's no law that you can pass to make that work, right? You know, there's no constitution that's going to save you from that situation. Once, once you allow, you know, depraved, sick people to run your government, I mean, you know, they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna have depraved, sick outcomes, you know?
3: is there is something to be said for the way the leftists wage political power right and i feel like the left the the left knows how to wield that power to their advantage but the right are so afraid of being called particular names it's really kind of frustrating but it's like how do we wield political power to our advantage in the proper spheres like I get it now that, uh, anarchism is not realistic, even though I I, I wish it were. Um, so thank you for your show and how you can show us how to gain that political power. Right. Because it's without knowing how to wield it, what the hell are we going to do against it? So I appreciate it.
0: Yeah. I mean, um, you know, I don't know that I, uh, that I have a, a definitive answer to the question about, you know, how to obtain it. I I have certainly have designs on wielding it, but you know, one must, one must obtain it first. And, you know, I have theories about that, but that's, that's largely what they are. What I, what I know, what I, I think that the, the thing that I'm able to provide, you know, value to the equation is I have a lot of very hard won experience in what does not work. (laughs) And, you know, um, and, and I've, you know, obviously had a great deal of time to think and read. And so, you know, that, that, uh, that is helpful, I'd say. Um, you know, what exactly are we going to do with that information? I mean, you know, I suppose that remains to be seen. The, uh, I, I have high hopes that, you know, look, all political equations boil down to this. If everybody does what I want, then I win. Okay, like politics is actually pretty simple when you boil it down that far, right? And, and you know, it, in my estimation of it, I think that most people who listen to what I what I have to say find find it difficult to dispute what I'm saying. Now, not that's not everybody, but you know, and so it. it it is self-serving to some extent for me to say, obviously, that like, okay, well, what we need to do is, you know, get my words in front of everybody. But, you know, there's an element of truth to that. And, uh, and I, have, I have reason to hope that, uh, that that mission will have a degree of success. And I think that, you know, the, the, the near completion of the project that I sort of started the, the show off with today, you know, has some potential to do that. And, and uh, we, we will see in the near future if that's the case.
3: Through libertarianism and anarchism, and now through surreal politics, I don't think you can get any better than woodchipper nationalism. That is my personal favorite. So, through.
0: Go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. I thought.
3: Well, I was going to say, through surreal politics and seizing the opportunity and seizing the power, maybe some people more than others deserve to be inside a wood chipper i'm sorry if that is too extreme for this particular podcast
0: well you know um, the the idea that some people belong in a wood chipper it's uh it's it's you know they they refer to it as edgy for a reason right And, and you know edgy implies that there's limits right and and so you know we're you know that's fine i i don't mind edgy you know um and so uh i think that there are certain people who uh the world would be better off without them and if they were disposed of in just such a fashion, you know, this, I, could think of, uh, I could think of worse ways to get rid of people. But, uh, you know, obviously they have to get a fair trial first, and, they, and it has to be done as a matter of law. We have to convict them of trespassing before we put them through the meat grinder, I think is kind of the idea. And so that's the Democrat way, is you find somebody, you put them on trial before a bunch of your friends who hate them, and then you put them into the wood chipper. You got to unmute your mic before you talk. If you start, if you unmute your mic mid-sentence, then I missed the beginning of what you said. Um, I'm not hearing you, is it? You're muted. Your mic is muted and I don't hear you. I just unmuted your mic. Go ahead.
3: Oh, okay. Can you hear me now? Yes. All right. So, if the Democrats want to use trespass for a reason to put somebody away for however long, sounds to me that trespassing is a perfectly okay uh, reason to um, put somebody on trial for such a um, punishment, rather. Okay. Thank you for taking my call.
0: Very good. Yeah. I mean, look, uh, you know, and the nice thing about the Democrats is you don't have to charge them with trespassing. You can charge them with child abuse. (laughs) You know, you know, when they go out and they say, uh, hey, we're going to cut your your child's balls off. You'd be like, "Okay, now you're going to prison, you know, and and your prison happens to be just on the other side of that wood chipper. Uh, And so, you know, there's that. Anybody, uh, anybody else want to chime in? I can, uh, let's see here. I'll, I'll pull up this story over here. This is actually, um, this is not, um, I thought that this was kind of amusing. Because, you know, this is what happens when lawlessness gets out of control. We talked about this before about, you know, what they do fundamentally is they let things spiral completely out of control. And then they hold you responsible for the results uh this story is not a perfect example of that but uh speaking of which there's a man was sent to prison for raping the robber who broke into his house uh doesn't doesn't sound like uh, this worked out very well for the robber uh you know the old saying two wrongs don't make a right this story is at the washington engager it was linked to from revolver well this twisted story serves as a perfect example of that An Australian man brutally beat a home intruder with a baseball bat. When the robber lost consciousness, the homeowner proceeded to rape him. It's an astonishingly brutal crime, and he has been sentenced to at least four years in prison. Quoting from Perth now, Clay Holland, 32, faced the Supreme Court of Victoria on Tuesday when he was sentenced to eight years imprisonment with a non-parole period of four years and ten months. Holland's victim, Shane Cox, wow, your name is Cox and you got robbed, raped in a house, that's interesting, had broken into a unit in Melton in Melbourne's West in March of 2021, armed with a knife and wearing a mask. He had asked for money and drugs and was allegedly linked to others who had gone to the home to stand over a resident. Mr. Cox, 36, who is high on methamphetamine, was overpowered by Holland, who was a guest at the home. Mr. Cox was beaten with a baseball bat and was incapacitated on the floor, floor, where Holland then raped him. His body was found at the scene under a pile of blankets a day later by police who arrived at the property on an unrelated matter. He was hogtied, his mouth was duct taped, and his pants were pulled down to his upper thighs. In March, a jury convicted Holland of one charge of rape, but he was found not guilty of manslaughter. Judge Christopher Beale described Holland's offending as premeditated and particularly humiliating, I'll say. Uh, I understand wanting to protect your home, but this guy certainly took things to strange and disturbing places with his actions. Clearly, he's just, if not more, demented than the person who came to steal from him, says the Washington engager. What I think is kind of funny about this is like, the jury acquitted him of manslaughter. They were like, look, if you want to kill the guy fine, but you know, raping him. Oh my God. You know? And so, uh, you know, you shouldn't let your society spiral into lawlessness. I guess is the moral of the story. Um, Garrick, you uh, want to chime in?
4: Yeah, I tried, tried to chime in earlier. I had a trouble with my, uh, microphone, uh, Permissions. Anyway, it's somewhat related to the, the previous topic on the, uh, uh, you know, jailing of activists and stuff, sort of, um, at least maybe why people don't do it is it's A frustration of mine is that it seems so many people view anyone who does anything as a Fed operation, right? You know, I, I, I spent a lot of time lurking on uh, conservative uh, posts just to see kind of like what, you know, so-called normie conservatives are thinking and you know the the latest debacle was the whole blood, tribe bone face thing, and I'm not going to get into that. But you know, of course, everyone's having a big field day with uh, you know bone faces. Proof that there's another Fed, and he certainly wasn't the best person to parade out there. But you know, I go in the comments, and you know, even not the B, which is like probably one of the most more milquetoast conservative posts, uh, poke some fun at it. And I go through the comments, and like 90 percent of these people who are you know presumably all conservative are talking about, yep. It's just the Patriot Front, you know, re-uniformed in which, you know, Patriot Front's a pretty upstanding group. And, you know, even comments, you know, talking about the feds with the tiki torches. And that one's even more obscene because, you know, they're still litigating that six years later while no one's paying attention. So I don't understand how they could possibly think, you know, those people like you and people went to Charlottesville are feds. I mean, I just it seems like there's this mindset that anyone who does anything by definition must be a fed. And I, I, I don't know how we get past that.
0: Well, the, the way that you get past that is by, you know, well, I would say that it's a difficult thing to do because there's the real thing of Feds, right? And so, you know, Feds come in and, you know, they participate in what we're doing. And, and I think trying to play spot the Fed is generally a fruitless exercise because while the the federal government might screw a lot of things up, they, they are very good at subversion. They're, they're experts in that. And so typically the guy who's, you know, accusing somebody of fed, you you might just assume that he's the fed because they're actually trained to do that. Right. Call everybody else a rat. And then, and then, you know, you learn this if you ever go to prison, that the guy who's calling everybody a rat is definitely talking to the cops. Right. You know? And so, you know, I just basically, you know, if, if somebody's behavior is such that I don't find it productive or helpful, then, you know, get that guy away from me i don't particularly care to be associated with him and i don't i don't need to figure out if he's if he's having his paycheck signed by the by the uh by the by the sbu right uh the the problem is that his behavior is destructive and so let's just get away from him you know if people are running around screaming this one's a fed that one's a fed to the to the point that what they're doing is you know chaotic and destructive especially if they're an anonymous account which is most of what these people are doing then like you just you know You just treat that as an anonymous account shouting unprovable allegations now granted there's a lot of people doing this and there's and and they have outsized influence but that's also why like i i'm like thoroughly disinterested in trying to you know gain attraction within like within what was i refer to it as what was once the alt-right i don't even know what to call it anymore But I have no interest in trying to, you know, control that animal anymore because I don't fundamentally think it's very productive. All of those – all of the toxic behaviors that emerge in, you know, fringe radical movements emerge in that one and then then it has its own pathologies. And so, like, you know, if people – you know, I think that a lot of the ideas discussed in that movement are important, right? If, you know – Human biodiversity is real, and you know evolutionary psychology is real, and it's worth incorporating those things into a worldview. But there's nothing about the outcomes of that movement that I particularly care to replicate, and so, you know, that's why I don't like try to go out of my way to you know interact with other media personalities in that sphere. You know, my interest is sort of in trying to break out of it, frankly. Because all of the pathologies that emerge within that thing are so destructive, and you know, playing spot the Fed is just one of them. You know, you know, being being monomaniacally focused on Jews, calling everybody a Fed, you know, all of the stupid, thing, you know, the hypocritical behavior that comes along with, you know, you know, you know, zero tolerance for vice ideological things, and you find out that other people are like, you know, they're they're like, oh, I'm you know they do their own virtue signaling and then they they you then you find out that they're homosexuals or that they're getting higher whatever it is you know the pathologies that are unique to that movement are so so toxic that I don't I really don't want anything to do with it and so you know that's sort of my idea is that I I don't I, I, when we identify pathologies in that movement I just the only thing that I am interested in doing with those people is getting rid of them I just ban them from the telegram chat when I spot them because you know there's nothing to be gained from it a bunch of anonymous accounts shouting accusations at people is like it, i don't care if you're working for the government or not you're you're acting as the government would do if they were trying to destroy us so like i don't need to figure out if you're a fed i just need to know that you're you're actually disruptive to my activity and so get away from me you know and that's sort of the approach that i take to it and i would just say that you know for everybody else you know if you see people that are just behaving destructively you know same thing just don't don't be involved in people who are who, with people who are acting destructively. That's the only advice that I can really give you, and I'm not sure that that's a thorough response to what you said. But I'll take your thoughts.
4: Yeah, in in, in an online context, I, I 100% agree with you. You know, the, the I think the people who engage in that type of behavior are disproportionately either people that are so you know, echo chambered into you know, dissident politics that yeah, it's just. Yeah, it's a, you know it's a monolithic uh, uh, focus on yeah Jews and Feds and things like that, and then there's the you know subversive bad actors, whether you know the actual Feds, like you said, I, I think there's definitely uh, truth to that. You know, certainly if if I was uh, you know a Fed and trying to disengage people, the, yeah, absolutely, what you'd want to do is get everyone convinced that everyone else is a Fed who's doing anything, so that no one trusts anyone. I mean, it's a it's 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 an obvious tactic, so. In an online context, I I, I agree with what you're saying. What I what I worry, and I I only have limited data points here, because you know, in a in a I'll call you know, with normal people in real life, you know, the average person, you know, still probably doesn't, you know, know who Patriot Front or Blood Tribe or any of these groups are. So it's not really part of the discourse. You know, Charlottesville certainly made uh, national attention, but it's you know probably out of the thought of most people. You probably have to work a little bit the jog, you know, the the non, even people that are politically motivated or politically engaged, rather, I should say, but, you know, more, and I'll call it mainstream politics. I've probably forgot about Charlottesville, <clears throat> excuse me, since it's been six years, but I, I worry that people like that, you know, normal, I'll call them normal mainstream people, even conservative leaning people, I worry that even they would tend to view people who do things you know like 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 for example patriot front goes out for a march you know i i i wonder how often that those people have been convinced into suspecting that those guys are feds you know as an example
0: yeah the the conservative in crowd the laura loomer set you know those people are running around calling everybody a fed and you know the the michael knowles thing you know so you know those elements are basically paranoiacs right They're, they're like oh my my worldview boils down to that which I don't like as a government conspiracy is fundamentally their idea and you know there's not in my view there's not a whole heck of a lot that you can do about them um you know with the exception of just you know trying to explain things rationally okay so like you know I've told people about the Thomas Rousseau thing like you know, Patriot Front, people are like, oh, it just came out of nowhere. I'm like, no. As a matter of fact, no. Like, you can go read Thomas Rousseau's deposition in the Sines v. Kessler case, right? You know, you can go find out all about these people if you try. And if they they are just dead set on believing these things, which in my experience, that's what it is, right? You know, you tell somebody on Twitter that's calling Patriot Front a Fed, you're like, well, as a matter of fact, you know, here's the link to go read about his deposition in this civil lawsuit where he was under oath. You can go read all about it if you want. And they're like, shut up, Fed. And you're like, okay, well, you're a paranoiac. You're an idiot. And you don't, you actually are not interested in the truth. So there's no point in me trying to talk to you, you know? And so, you know, it's it's always been my view fundamentally in politics that like, you know, here's what happens in fringe movements is that people are trying to gain control or or traction within the movement, okay? Well, that is not, you, there's no political success in that, okay? Okay. Politics is not decided by by fringe radicals. It's decided by mass numbers of people. And so, like, the entire purpose of the enterprise has to be to gain the support of people who are not initiated into your nonsense. And so, like, the people who are running around, this one's a Fed, this one's a Jew, this one's that, all this stuff, what they're doing is they're sniping at their opponents to gain traction within a very small circle of support and the reasons that they do that do not pertain to political success they pertain to their own aggrandizement within a small social circle and and that is not that's not it's not political activity it's it's playing in a sandbox and and trying to like you know like gain kids to you know cheer you on the playground and you know there's reasons to do that and there's you know value to be gained i guess you know you know, you need a base of support to go out into the world and, and earn a broader category of success, say. But, you know, it's sort of always, even with the libertarians, I always said, it's like, it's not like it, I was not trying to win over the libertarians at a certain point. I tried to do that for a certain period of time. Then I realized that, that that was a not a fruitful exercise, at which point I was like, look, what you actually need to do is, you know, You need to go out and reach people who are uninitiated. And that's one of the things I liked about Free Talk Live, frankly, right? Free Talk Live is out on, you know, between 160 and 200 broadcast stations across the United States during the time that I was involved with them. And so people have no involvement in this thing if they're flipping through the radio or discovering this radio show. And you get an opportunity to speak to people, different people all of the time. And so, you know, that's sort of, you know, the idea that I'm trying to work towards. It's like, you, you know as i say you need to maintain a base of political support to, to accomplish anything and that involves a certain you know there's that involves certain categorical ideological phenomena say but you know beyond a certain beyond a certain base of support it's it it becomes this like stupid Playground exercise, and it's and it's not worth doing. And that's what the people who are obsessed with this one's a Fed, this one's a Jew, this one's this. With you know, those people are are fundamentally not they're they're not fundamentally engaged in political activity. They're they're engaged in a playground social exercise.
4: Yeah, absolutely, definitely. You know, too much time online. You know, the the points you were making on your uh, the recent uh, uh pressure points episode, I thought was good. You know, where you pick a single issue and you 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 know, you, you meet people where they are. You know, I, I do this in, in real life from time to time. I think someone's uh, primed for it, right? It's not the same conversation with every person. You know, some people are more in tune with the uh, the social policies aspect of it, certainly at work during Pride Month, the uh, place where I worked was went especially hard this year compared to previous years. and had a lot of the, the, the you know, very blue-collar Middle of America workers there upset. And so that, that was, you know, Created some fruitful conversations. Other people are more into, you know, the financial stuff, right? And you can kind of come at it for that way. So you, you got to meet people where they are. But people who are, yeah, just online in their own groups, certainly, uh, I think, you know, start uh, missing the forest through the trees, so to speak. Um, you know, I, I will say that, uh, I, your, the when you were on uh, uh, NNR recently, you know, you, that was actually a, a really good interview. You know, you got a chance to speak at length about. You know, the thought process behind why they're public avenues, the, the party of power, know you, you know, you weren't interrupted. You, there was good probing questions. And I actually a few people that I thought were good people would have gone a little too far down the rabbit hole. I, I convinced them to, to, to listen to your points there. And, and actually, I think, I you know, I think one person was swayed, you know, a little bit back more to, to uh, rational thinking just because, you know, you laid it out so well on that episode. So, you know, kudos to, you know, the way you spoke to it there. I certainly spoke to it better than I could. But, you uh, yeah, it's a challenge. You know,
0: it's amusing. I went to a similar thing with him and with Night Nation Review, right? Both of them were like, oh, my audience wants me to talk you out of the Trump thing, right? And I, and I'd ex- I explained this in, you know, realpolitik terms that like, look, here's how it works. Here's how political power is obtained. You're describing a situation that has absolutely no path to that. So whatever you're trying to do, it's something other than political power. That's indisputable about all of this. Don't participate in politics nonsense. And these guys were both. You could, if you, <clears throat> you, if you watch their facial expressions, it's actually the most interesting part of it. That like they they they're realizing in the course of the conversation that that I'm right, you know. And but simultaneously, they have an audience throwing super chats at them, and, and this creates a, a, a conflict of interest for, for the for the producer, right? Um, and so you know they are they're both in this position where you know they 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 want to argue the point and that becomes a difficult thing indeed to do and um you know as i said to as i said to joe pritch i mean the you know i'm not going to win the, i'm not going to become i'm not going to win a popularity contest anywhere not for nothing you know not for a city council seat not for president of the united states but there's a distinct possibility that at some point in the course of what i'm doing i might be talking to a guy who is and so for me to just you know Fill that guy's head up with, you know, drop out of the system nonsense. It's not a, it's not a prudent, responsible, you know, thing for me to do for somebody who cares about the future. And I think that that's something that that hit Joe Pritch that I don't think that he had considered before. And I certainly didn't think enough about that, you know, early in my media career either. And so,
4: yeah, no, it's, it's fantastic work on your part. You know, you mentioned a few times you don't focus a lot inward, you know, within within the you know movement, so to speak. And I, th- I think there's some uh, good prudence to that but i think within internally the are the definitely the best thing you're doing is trying to get people like that to see reason a little bit because at the end of the day you know people who you know digest their podcast listen to what they say you know these are people who you know maybe for better or worse in certain aspects you know understand the score um that you know maybe are more likely to be politically motivated and so if we can get you know a little bit of common sense into their heads about a more productive way to go about it i think that's a, a a very worthwhile internal endeavor you know besides the outreach to everyone else i think that internally that's the best thing that you know we could be doing and i think you're you're certainly doing a better job of that than anyone well thank
0: you thank you i appreciate that
4: all right thanks chris
0: thank you um anybody uh, anybody else want to chime in um chris i wouldn't have voted if not for your show well mostly trump was pretty funny so it was an easy exception to my libertarian principles he's funny and he called rosie o'donnell a fat pig i'll vote for him okay well you know i guess that beats staying home uh and uh you know if uh if he calls rosie o'donnell a fat pig then you know he obviously know, knows more than um megan kelly so you know there's that Well, um, if nobody else is going to chime in, I might just end it. Maybe I'll do one more story. Oh, you know what I'll do? Um, did somebody uh, was somebody about to chime in? Go ahead. No, that's Garrick is still unmuted. Okay, so I will. Um, g- okay, good night, Garrick. Um, I'll do one more thing here, and then uh, if nobody else wants to chime in, I'll I'll wrap it up after that. I love this story here, and like it. What it like? What I'm about to read to you is. I don't even think there's a great deal of substance to it. I just thought the writing was really good. This is at compactmag.com, Musk's Digital Leviathan by Nicholas Hosdorff. And he says, X, the platform formerly known as Twitter, is undergoing a long uncertain transition. Under the earlier dispensation, the platform ostensibly distributed social capital, roughly in accordance with the prestige hierarchies of the professional class the old verified accounts were obtained by way of fame achieved elsewhere or affiliation with a recognized institution now verification in the once elusive blue check mark or commodities for purchase available to anyone with eight bucks a month to spare with a promise that content monetization might offset the expense denizens of elon musk's fiefdom increasingly inhabit a shiny world of ads bots crypto hawkers and an increasingly commercialization Increasing commercialization of pretty much everything. What animated Twitter wasn't merely the existence of the old blue-check aristocracy, but the promise of proximity thereto. In this respect, the site's basic architecture inverted crucial aspects of the last 30 years of neoliberal globalization. The neoliberal order brought about an unprecedented accumulation and concentration of financial, social, and cultural capital. Twitter, however, suspended the logic of this spatial segregation, The fortresses of the 21st century, the private resorts, giga yachts, luxury penthouses, inaccessible in-crowd bars, restaurants and clubs at the centers of global metropolitan centers were undone by the platform's protocol of radical and pervasive access. In this way, Twitter, from its origins, cast users into a digital realm resembling the virtual birthplace of modern Western political philosophy, the strange universe of Thomas Hobbes, cradled to an uncanny reality, I'm sorry, uncanny equality, quite distant from those more cheerful versions of Jean-Jacques Rousseau and Thomas Jefferson. For Hobbes, the equality of man has an unlikely concrete origin. It is derived from his capacity to murder his peers. He writes in Leviathan, When all is reckoned together, the difference between man and man is not so considerable as that one man can thereupon claim to himself any benefit to which another may not pretend as well as he. For as to the strength of body, the weakest has the strength enough to kill the strongest, either by secret machination or by confederacy with others that are in the same danger with himself, end quote. The capacity for murder is thus what defines the social existence of humanity. Even the weakest man, through cunning, can commit the act. The social contract and the modern state arise from the need to keep this chaotic potential in check. Far more than any other platform, Twitter facilitates on a symbolic level this capacity for murder, which the social order ordinarily attempts to suppress. The platform enables unrestricted access to every luxurious rural, rural palace Every prime beach property and the most exclusive of inner-city lofts, no potentate or nipo baby can build walls high enough to fend off the murderous take. The drive-by assassination of wit consistent of quote, consisting of quote-tweeting, screen-capping, or replying to anyone, no matter how lofty a personage is, uh, a personage, and being elevated by the popular vote of likes and retweets leaves victims speechless and stunned. The process generates meltdowns and frenzies of blocking, which in the end only underline and exacerbate the damage of the original crime. Musk's recently announced plan to disable the block function would in theory only further the radical proposition of a universe of unlimited social revenge accessible to everyone in principle. This process has enabled a generalized demystification, shrunken into the ridiculousness of awkward social media staffers. The image of the state as a sublime abstraction only encountered by way of opaque institutions and monumental architectures falls like scales from our eyes. It turns intuitively into Max Weber's mere human community which successfully claims the monopoly of legitimate violence. Much the same occurs with the corporation, the university, civil society, morality, see Musk's ongoing feud with the Anti Defamation League, and the abstract white coat cloaked scientific consensus, all are reduced to the pettiness of mediocre shill accounts. Twitter's rise was fueled by the dark energies of the peasant revolt and the guillotine. It promised a universe of radical egalitarianism, of warring tribes and rampaging mobs. Even the millions of bots, the discreet downwading and shadow-banning, the harassment networks controlled by governments and corporations, didn't manage to put the genie of popular spite back into its bottle. The most likely reason for this is that the state, the most powerful network of networks, has been unable to subdue or co-opt fully the reserve armies of elite overproduction, which yield the platform's sheer limitless divisions of ostentatiously disinterested authenticity, wit, and credibility. The sad, orphaned accounts of state-funded vaccine booster propaganda and the continued expert class laments about disinformation demonstrate amply that a winning formula hasn't yet been found. X's decline or transformation into something unrecognizable is more likely to come from its own internal evolution in combination with Musk's suite of haphazard populist reforms. Already a content avant-garde on the perpetual hunt for the next thing looks increasingly bored in a realm in which legions of grifters and copycats drawn in with the promise of S-posting UBI vulgarize the raw counterintuitive aphorisms on which the platform once thrived musk's white whale the everything platform of x is another attempt to subsume the site swarms of warring equals into a more or less stable order a digital leviathan but this dream risks putting an end to the classicism of twitter The site's capacity to pierce through the baroque convolutions of a walled sclerotic establishment, already the dilution of this sobering aesthetic of dry ornamentalist wit, which set Twitter apart from the more visually rich social networks, may be prompting an exodus, or at least the pretense of one. It was this quality that allowed us to see the naked bodies of the emperor, an image that will continue to haunt us. The platform's media message of radical, agonistic, individualistic egalitarianism will be its lasting legacy. I'm so impressed by the prose here that I have yet to process the the message. I I have nothing to say about the substance of that, but I just loved reading that. I thought that was so well-worded that I thoroughly enjoyed it. And so... Anybody want to chime in before I wrap this thing up for the evening? All right. Well, it's been a pleasure chatting with you, and I do thank you for the opportunity. Uh, You might know we do this every Wednesday, of course. We do it uh, again. We do the uncensored productions on Fridays, uh, with the exception of uh, this past Friday, of course. And Monday, we'll be back for the public version of this uh, much tamer endeavor. And so uh, thank you all so much for making this show possible. I do appreciate it more than you might realize. And uh, we'll be back again, as I say. We'll do this every Wednesday, 9.30 p.m., U.S. Eastern Time. You're going to get an email from me soon if you're on the email list. It'd be a shame if you weren't surrealpolitics.com slash newsletter. If you're not on that mailing list, go ahead and get on it so I can tell you about all the great things you're going to get now that we've got our content network set up. That would be a real smart thing for you to do. We'll see you real soon. Thank you.